Welcome to the teaching ministry of Steve Franklin. Steve's calling is to coach champions in the kingdom of God. Our prayer for you as you listen to this word of encouragement and instruction is that you'll be built up in your faith and encouraged to take the next step in your development as one of God's true champions. Here's Steve. You know, God owns it all. You know that, don't you? God owns it all. I want to read this to you out of 1 Chronicles chapter 29. It says it better than I could. Yours, O Lord, is the greatness, the power, and the glory, the victory, and the majesty. For all, listen, for all that is in heaven and all that is in the earth is yours. Yours is the kingdom, O Lord, and you are exalted as head over all, both riches and honor Come from you, and you reign over all. In your hand is power and might. In your hand it is to make great and to give strength to all. God owns it all. Every resource by divine right belongs to God. I want everybody to say this with me. Mighty God. According to your word, I hereby agree that all that I have that's any good legally belongs to you. It is yours. You are the author of every good and perfect gift. It comes from your heart and through the extension of your hand. Do you really believe that all that you are and have comes from God? He owns it all. He owns it all. But not only does he own it all, I'm convinced from a study of Scripture that the Father desires his children to have sufficiency and to have an abundance for every good deed. Do you record? Can I ask you something, those of you who are fathers? If you have an inheritance, do you want it to be distributed to total strangers who will waste it? Or would you love for your children to have it? God Almighty wants His children to have His blessing. You see that when God created Adam and Eve, the first thing He did when He created them, the Bible says in Genesis 1, 28 and 29, that He blessed them that he supernaturally spoke blessing to them. And he said, you be fruitful and multiply and take dominion over everything in this garden. The blessing of the Lord started from the very first created man and woman. Did you notice that that hundreds of years after that, God got into covenant with Abraham? He said there in Genesis 12, I, I, look, did you know you're a, you're a son and daughter of Abraham through faith in Jesus Christ? Abraham is your spiritual heritage. Well, here's what God said to Abraham. I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make you great, and I am going to bless all generations through you. And I'm going to actually bless those who bless you. Some of you don't ever get up and go to work believing that you have the blessing of Abraham in Christ Jesus in you and on you. You don't ever believe that God is going to bless those who bless you. And that is the failure to believe and actually step into the promise 
that God wants you to have as one of his children. Deuteronomy 8, 18, and I'm not going to go through all the verses, but the whole discussion there is Moses telling under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, here's what's going to happen to you. As you obey me and trust me, when you go in to that land of Canaan, you've been over there in Egypt, but I'm going to lead you into the land of Canaan. And I want you to know, verse 18, God says, do not forget the Lord your God. Listen, for it is he who is giving you the power to get wealth. Why? That he may confirm the covenant that he made with Abraham your father. I'm not making that up. It's in the word. It's either true or it's not true. God says, I'm going to give you that. Don't forget where this came from. Don't forget whose desire it is to bless you. Now, let's get a definition of biblical wealth. Are you ready? It's not in your outline. Biblical wealth is more than you need for the purpose of being a blessing to those God assigns you to bless. That's real. Wealth is a relative term, isn't it? If you go to over to some of the dark corners of this world, you would find out that wealth to some people in this world is having some, some drinking water at their disposal. That would be true wealth for a lot of people in this world. But how many of you know that God's desire for his children, Old and New Testament, is that we have a level of blessing that we recognize comes from him and that not only do we have sufficiency, but that we have an abundance for every good deed that he assigns us to do. I don't know about you, but Dina and I have a lot of good deeds that we would love to do. We dream and talk about things that we would love to do. And not one of those things is for us to consume or own an island in the, uh, over there in the Caribbean. Every one of them have to do with how we'd like to bless some people. Every, every one of them. I bet you've got some of those dreams in your heart too, don't you? God, grant those dreams. Grant those dreams. Grant those dreams. Well, we're going to find out that the Lord didn't stop there. Proverbs 10, says, It is the blessing of the Lord that makes one rich, and he adds no sorrow to it. God's not going to beat you up because he blessed you. Luke 6, 38, Jesus said, Give, and it shall be given to you good measure, pressed down, shaking together, and running over shall be yours in full measure. 2 Corinthians 9, 8 says, God, oh, I love this verse, God is able to make all grace abound to you so that you would always have all sufficiency. You may have an abundance for every good deed. 3 John 2, listen to this. This is out of the apostle John under the direction of the Holy Spirit where it says there in verse 2, I desire above all things that you prosper and be in good health just to the measure that your soul prospers. God wants you to prosper on the outside with your resources to the same extent that you're prospering on the inside. You see, a lot of people have some resources on the outside, but they don't have a lick of peace. They don't have any comfort. They don't have any wonderful relationships. Those are the people who are poor. God's desire for his children is that we may receive blessing and understand what the source of it is. But you know, maybe your problem is like mine. 
maybe somewhere along the journey, all you associated the giving and receiving of resources was, was with obligation. Aren't you glad to be a part of a church that don't do fundraisers? Aren't you glad we're not calling you up to try to see what we can get you to pledge? Aren't you glad that every single Sunday we don't stick a plate in front of you and say, pay up? Three of you are. But I, the rest of you, to be honest, you are too. This is not about raising funds. This is not about trying to get the church more money. This is not about some kind of financial campaign. God has assigned me to be bold and to teach you the Word of God, and it's up to you to do what you're going to do with it. My problem, and Dean and I went through great financial brokenness 25 or 30 years ago. I mean, it was awful. If you've ever been through financial brokenness, I can tell you it's the worst thing going because you can't get away from it. It's on you every single day. If you have issues with resources, if your finances, are, if you're living below what you need, it is one of the most difficult things you'll ever go through because it's on you every day. What I had failed to do is having been brought up with the... the, the obligation part of investment in the kingdom. All I heard was the obligation. Pay your tithes. Pay your tithes. It's a debt you owe. Pay your tithes. It's a debt you owe. Never did I ever get revelation on the opportunity of investment uh, that that was on that side of, of biblical teaching. Never got revelation of it. It was all obligation. No revelation. Nothing that I ever knew was about opportunity to invest in something that was going to be my true blessing, my true security. How many of you know it's God's resources and in your relationship with Him that's the only true security that you have? But out of that long period of financial brokenness, and it was awful. Out of that, God gave me the grace to seek Him at a different level. And this is what I found out of my season of financial brokenness. I still remember it. God revealed to me that my issues were a lot deeper than money. God revealed to me that my issues had to do with unbelief, fear. Pride. How many of you know that if you think your only issue is money, you hadn't gotten to the root yet? And out of months and months and months of desperation, and oh, I could tell you some things that would raise the hair on your neck of what we've been through. It is a distant memory now, but I'll never forget sitting in a small room of my then home saying to God, God, if you'll just get me out of this, if you'll just, if you will ever 
put us in a place of financial blessing, I vow to you today, and I still remember that vow, I vow to you today that I will seek you just as much when I have an abundance as I am right now when I've got lack. And by God's grace, I have lived up to that vow, and he reminds me of that quite often. The blessing of the Lord. I was missing that part. I was, I was missing the side of opportunity. And in my ignorance and in my disbelief, I became disobedient. I got hold of some uh, teaching uh, by a man that I respected in uh, seminary. And uh, that teaching was that, you know, the, the, the tithe was an Old Testament deal, and uh, it was Old Testament law, and it's probably not in operation now. You just give uh, as you're led and as you're able, and uh, it'll be okay. So I bought into that uh, in my ignorance of the entirety of Scripture. And man, let me just put it real blunt to you. The devourer ate my lunch. There is a spiritual devourer who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and he will clean you out. He will hold you down and keep you from ever prospering in God and in kingdom blessing. And I'll show that to you. In just a minute, nothing tests our faith and our trust like our finances. God desires us to be blessed. We're His children, but it involves a partnership with Him. We have been given that wonderful opportunity to be blessed, for God to put His hand of blessing on our resources, on our finances, but we also have a responsibility. What we do with our resources makes a huge difference. I want you to say that with me. Say it with me. What I do with my resources makes a huge difference to God and to me. Have you ever thought about this? The Lord just given me revelation on this. Just, just in the past, you know, probably a few months, do you remember when God created Adam and Eve and He put them in that perfect garden and he said, be fruitful and multiply, take dominion. I'm going I'm to give you the power to produce and to have dominion over every circumstance you're going to face. But the word says before that, that God planted a garden. And in that garden, there was also what was called the tree of life. And there was the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And what God said was, you can eat out of any tree of, the, uh, of this garden, but don't eat out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Who planted, that who planted that tree? God did it. He planted every tree in that garden. The devil didn't do any of that. But he said, out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat, because if you do, you'll die. Pastor, why in the world... Would God create perfect man and woman in a perfect environment and give them the opportunity 
to sin. Here's why. God is love. Say it with me. God is love. But did you know you cannot have love without choice? Love does not exist without choice. And God didn't create robots. He created those in His image and likeness who have the ability to make choices. But when Eve and Adam listened to the voice of the serpent who said, God told you not to eat out of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Here's why. God's withholding something good from you. He knows that if you, if you partake of that, you'll be like him. You know what the devil was saying? You don't have to serve and obey him. You can be sovereign over your own choices. You, you, you don't have to listen to, here, listen, listen now. If you want the blessing of the Lord, you've got to understand that there is something that comes to you that doesn't belong to you. Listen to this principle. God said this. You can have all of this garden and enjoy it, but don't eat out of this tree that I planted. I'm the only, I don't want you to know evil. I don't want, I, God already knew evil. He saw Lucifer and one third of the angels of heaven raise a rebellion against him and had to get cast out. Have you ever thought about this? Inherent in original sin, remember this now, original blessing was before original sin. If you're always thinking about original sin, original sin, Original blessing came before original sin. Think about this. What inherent in the decision that affected all of us. Now all of us are born with Adam and Eve's spiritual genes. All of us are born spiritually dead. But inherent in that temptation, inherent in that choice, was they consumed something that only belong to God. Our financial demise has its roots, or our financial lack of blessing has roots in us consuming something that only He has the right to own. Pastor, I never heard you preach. You better listen. I ask God what you want me to say. And God said, I want you to tell everybody who will listen to you, take your hands off what is mine. Wow. That's mine. There is a portion of what comes to you that only belongs to God. It is His. He has given it to you, but just like Adam and Eve, He has given you a choice and the choices you make make a huge difference. In my financial brokenness, here's what the Lord revealed to me. You cry out to me for resolution. What you need is a miracle. I said, Lord, you know, Lord, why do I need a miracle? He said, because you don't have any seed in the ground. See, if you've been sowing seed... Natural spiritual law is that seed produces harvest. But you don't have any seed in the ground, so you need a miracle. 
Y'all understand what I'm saying here? You don't need for God to put his hand on that mighty spiritual law of sowing and reaping. Because if you hadn't sown, you need a miracle. You're not going to reap without a miracle. God don't want us to try to live from miracle to miracle. That'll kill you. He wants us to live in spiritual process. The sin that touched us all had to do with consuming something that belonged only to God. And the Holy Spirit said to me, I can't really bless you like I'd like to. I love you, but I can't bless you like I'd like to because, listen, you talk about correction to me. This was many years ago. I can't bless you because you're walking around with my money in your pocket. Whoo-wee. I, I can understand talk like that. There's no room for ambiguity in talk like that. I can't bless you because you're walking around with my money in your pocket. But God, if I were to do that, then I couldn't do this. He said, that's your problem. That is mine. I'll help you through your problem if you will just recognize and start honoring me with what is mine. Our unbelief in the area of consuming something that doesn't belong to us and it interferes with our financial blessing. It interferes with our financial security. But God has given us the opportunity to partner with Him. God has given us the opportunity to partner with Him, and that is a responsibility and an opportunity to invest in the kingdom of God. All right, let's look at our Malachi 3 passage. Leviticus Chapter 27, verses 30 and 32, Phil, God said to his covenant people, the tithe is holy. The tithe is holy. You know what holy means? It means reserved only for his use. Tithe is holy. Can I ask you a question? Would you pray this prayer with me? Mighty Father, Lord of heaven, Thank you that you want to bless me. Give me revelation that 10% of everything you give me is yours alone. Did you mean it? Well, let's see what happens here. God's covenant people had gotten away and gotten into disobedience. In the area of their tithes and offerings, a tithe, the literal term tithe means 10%. It has to do with that which is, is the top 10% of whatever comes to you. That's what a tithe is. You say, well now pastor, that was just Old Testament teaching. Can I tell you something? People say that is just the law. That was Moses' law. Do you understand? that Abraham was hundreds of years before Moses. And the Bible says that Abraham, who God blessed, took a tithe. He took 10% of everything God blessed him with, and he went to the priest Melchizedek. 
king and priest and offered a tithe of everything to God through Melchizedek. Hundreds of years before the Mosaic law. Do you know that the New Testament says that Jesus Christ is our high priest after the order of Melchizedek and right now today he is the receiver of tithes. Oh, I'm going to get to that in just a minute. Man, oh man, when you, look, look, I promise you, get revelation of this, you'll get excited. Malachi 3, in verse 10, he says, Bring the, all the tithes into the storehouse, that there may be food in my house. And try me in this. Do you know God never tells you to put him to the test except one time, and that's in the area of your finances. The Bible actually says, do not, put to the, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Don't try him. Except this one place. Put me to the test in this. God says, go ahead. Give it a try. Put me to the test in this. And see, look at this. Try me in this, says the Lord, verse 10, and see if I will not open for you the windows of heaven Every good and perfect gift comes from above and pour out for you such blessing, not just any blessing, such blessing that there will not be room enough to receive it. I'm going to overflow you with blessing if you'll just get back in order and recognize and obey and bring what is mine to me. And, verse 11, and. I will rebuke the devourer for your sakes. If you have brought the tithe into that storehouse, I will rebuke the devourer for your sake, so that he will not destroy the fruit of your ground. What was the fruit of their ground? Well, it was the source of their income. Nor shall the vine fail to bear fruit for you in the field, says the Lord of hosts. Do you know that every time the Lord of hosts is mentioned, host talks about a magnificent group of angelic beings who are fighters. They are warriors. God is actually saying here, if you will recognize that is mine and bring all the tithes into the storehouse, and we'll get there in a minute, I will open the windows of heaven for you, pour you out a blessing that overflows your need, and I will actually assign holy angels to war on your behalf. The devourer will not destroy you. Now that's what I meant when I said financial security. You know that markets change all the time. Do you know that investments, some are good, some are not so good? Do you know that customers are fickle in your business, aren't they? But are you investing in an economy that is sure and steadfast, that is eternal, that has the accountant looking over it, who will make sure that everything invested in that kingdom has a return to it? God will get fighting mad toward the devourer who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and dispatch hosts of angels to fight on behalf of those who will obey him in this matter. My, my, my. Well, Pastor, do you ever go through seasons where, it, where there's just try? Look, 
If you decide to obey God in this, and those of you who've decided that a long time ago, there are tests and trials. There are times when it doesn't look like it's working. There are seasons where there is great pressure and where it looks like that it's not going to be working. Can I tell you something? Every revelation that's worth anything gets tested. Nothing is valuable that's not tested. You can't really have true love without it being tested. So this is not that deal where you put a nickel in and God gives you a quarter back. This is not one of those things where you buy the favor of God by saying something or throwing something in an offering plate or sending in a bunch of money because it's got a special anointing on it. You do that if you want to. But this is about a lifestyle of obedience. A lifestyle of obedience. And you will be tested in this. I promise. Whew. And sometimes it is a strong test. But I want to tell some of you something. Some of you have been going through, you've been tithers for years, and you've been going through some real, real difficult times. Can I tell you, seek the voice of the Lord. Listen to anything or everything that He says that may be blocking your blessing. But in the absence of him giving you revelation about that, you need to understand this. Are you listening? You need to understand this. God will bring his promises to pass. Every time. Not just once or twice. God will bring his promises to pass. And if you continue to obey him and believe him, that time, that season of trial that you're in is only to prepare you for a greater level of blessing unlike anything you've ever seen. It's a scriptural principle. Great blessing and anointing comes after trial and testing. Well, pastor, I don't think I can afford to do that. Do, can you just want to? Can you just go before God and say, I want to? I want to. But let me remind you of something. If you say you want to, but you're waiting until the money comes in to the extent that you want it to come in, you're not going to get there. You've got to start where you are. You've got to start with what you have. He who is obedient in a little will be entrusted with much. It doesn't say if you're entrusted with much, then what you got to do is give tithes and all. No, 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 no. One of the greatest things that ever happened to Dean and me is that discipline, that correction, that season of brokenness. And what it did, God gave us the grace. We began to look into the Word of God and we found every single scripture that had to do with financial provision. Every one of them. And we begin to deal with it and believe and stand on that. And I want to tell you, it changed our lives. Our circumstances didn't change immediately. And we've had tests since then. So what? God's Word is eternal and it will prevail. Don't be a spiritual dropout on what He's told you. When you become a spiritual dropout, 
then you disconnect yourself from the opportunity to receive the blessing of God that He wants you to have. What a promise. Well, if it's 10% of everything He blesses me with, and can I tell you something else? If you put it down on a piece of paper with all your obligations right now, if you try to figure out how you can afford it, you won't get there. Won't happen. It'll never happen. You can't wait till you think you can afford it. You know what you got to do? You got to start when you just don't believe you can afford it. And you honor the Lord. Here, here's what Proverbs 3 says. It's so beautiful. Honor the Lord with your possessions and with the first fruit of all your increase. Put it first. And then he says something amazing is going to happen. Your barns will be filled with plenty. You know what the barns were to them? It's where they stored their excess. And your vats will flow with new wine. You know what that meant? New wine was what the grapes had just produced. New harvest. Income. So reserves and income. But you got to honor the Lord with the first thing. Listen. What if you and I got revelation that the first 10% of everything that came into us was holy? I mean holy and reserved for God Almighty. And if we started touching it and spending it, we would be subject to the financial curse that is talked about in, in Malachi 3. Right before I read verse 10, verse 9 says, You are cursed with a curse because you have robbed me of my tithes. I don't know about you, but I don't want to go before the, the courts of heaven and be accused of being a robber. I've already been there. I've already repented. And I don't want to go back. First things. So God, the first 10% of everything that comes into me, I say this is holy. I say it is yours. And I am going to use it as you direct me to use it in the kingdom of God. This is yours. Notice where God said to bring it. Bring it into the storehouse. Oh, there's all kind of theological arguments about that. But what did the storehouse mean to them? The storehouse was where they came for worship with other believers. The storehouse was where there were called out men and women who ministered to them, the priests, the Levites, who ministered to them, who, who taught them the Word of God, who, interse who, who provided intercessory prayer for them, and who blessed them. Do you know that the assignment of the priest in the Old Testament was to bless the people perpetually? So the storehouse was where there was worship, where there was prayer offered, where there was the teaching of the Word of God, where there was the blessing that flowed out of spiritual leadership. Now we have people who listened to us in 50 countries around the world last year. So here's the question I want you to ask. Where is the storehouse for you? That ought to be pretty evident. It's not a mystery for a lot of us. All right, now look. That's where it should go. 
but who should receive it? I close with this. Turn to Hebrews 7. Hebrews 7. We know how much it is. We know where it comes. We know that if we were to get real revelation of this and began to get obedient to it, God has promised security and a mighty return. I want you to see in chapter 7 that Jesus is compared to Melchizedek, a, a priest and a king to whom Abraham offered tithes hundreds of years before Old Testament law ever got here. Hundreds of years. And our father Abraham, whose seed we are, according to Galatians 3.29, you in Christ Jesus are now the seed of Abraham. In Christ Jesus. Notice that the Bible is comparing Jesus with Melchizedek. And I want you to see there, I'll cut to the chase, in verse 8, the comparison between Jesus and Melchizedek. Here, mortal men receive tithes, listen, but there in heaven, talking about Jesus, our high priest, but there he receives them of whom it is witnessed that he lives. Hallelujah. Do you know the word witness is a legal term? It means to bear testimony. The Bible says, and we talked about this last time, that Jesus is our faithful high priest after the order of Melchizedek, priest and king. Now listen, listen. What would happen if you and I got revelation that it's all God's, but he has asked for the top 10% of every, the first part of everything that comes in for his kingdom work? What would happen if we got revelation every time, listen, every time you wrote a check, every time you put something in an offering, every time that you sent something electronically through your bank, every time you did, you gave that which is valuable to you. Every time you released, oh God, give us revelation. Every time you released an offering to the Lord, what if you, when you are releasing that, however you do it, what if you went into prayer and you focused that your high priest, the Lord Jesus, is bearing witness that you are giving this to him? There he receives tithes. When you tithe, you are to go to Jesus and you are to say, Lord, this is yours. I honor you as my high priest. And you know what a high priest does? Listen, he receives offerings and he releases blessings. He receives offerings and he releases blessings. Give us revelation of that, God. You ought to get excited about releasing the tithe. You ought to be thrilled with the opportunity to invest in a kingdom that has blessing and security in it and on it. 
We ought to get so excited about when we write that check or we release those funds or we, we send that donation. Whatever it is, God, this is holy. And Jesus, I am giving this to you. Don't do what I did. Out of my ignorance, I became disobedient. There's no need to be ignorant. It's right there in the Word. Jesus, your high priest, receives your tithes. And he releases your blessing. Oh, hallelujah. Well, Pastor, I hadn't tithed in years. And the Lord still loves me. Yes, he does. You can't buy the favor of God. I've still experienced grace. Yes, you have. But can I tell you, God has so much more in store for you if you'll jump in and take steps of obedience and recognize what the Word says belongs to you and your responsibility in that partnership. God wants a partnership with you. God wants a partnership with you. The choices you make make a huge difference. What are you doing with what's His? Well, I'm saving it for something. Well, how many of you know seed don't grow if it's not in the ground? And the Lord spoke this to me the other day. This is for you. Every financial seed that is ever, and 2 Corinthians 9, and we'll get there, not today, says finances are seed. God said every seed that has ever been sown has life in it. He says, God, in, in, my, in my opinion of seed, what I've designated, none of that seed dead. Every seed that I've sown has life in it. You ought to get excited about that. You know what that means? That means a crop's going to come up. Hallelujah. I've told you what the Lord has said. I've told you where he says it's to be released. Primarily to Jesus. It belongs to Jesus. And it had not, look, you, your tithe doesn't belong to paying tuition for your children. That's good. But it's not released in the direct service of the Lord through his kingdom. And God says, I want my house to be taken care of. I want the things that I am providing for you to be invested in. Can I ask you to do something? Can I ask you to ask the Lord, God, show me. Show me, Lord, where I have gotten out of bounds and where I have not become a, an investor of my resources in the kingdom. And forgive me, Lord, for having that entitlement mentality where all I think that everybody else ought to always serve, serve, serve. And all I do is just receive, receive, receive. I never make an investment. God, don't let your people have that kind of attitude. It'll kill government. It'll kill kingdom work. It'll kill everything.
So what are we going to do with this? Tithing is an act of worship. First and foremost, brought to your high priest, the high priest of heaven. So I want you to bow your heads with me today, and I want you to pray this with me, if you will. Are you ready? Mighty God, I hereby ask you to give me revelation of your word that Jesus is my high priest and he didn't cancel tithing. He fulfilled and perpetuated that principle. And so I'm asking you today, O oh Father, to give me revelation that all that I have comes from you. But I also ask you to give me revelation that that tithe is yours. And I don't have the right to consume what's yours. Forgive me, O oh God. Forgive me, O oh God, for being casual about this holy thing. I want to enter in to your kingdom. I need grace. I need faith. I have so many challenges. Help me to see that my only part is to start. You'll take care of the rest. Give me the strength to endure. Oh, how your Father's heart, oh, He wants to bless you with everything you can handle. I pray all the time, God, I ask God to bless you with everything you can handle, and then I ask Him to bless you with greater revelation and ability to handle more. How exciting would that be? Again, the purpose of this message is not to do a fundraiser, not to beat anybody up. It's to offer you an opportunity, the greatest opportunity in finance, to invest in God's kingdom economy. He doesn't go broke. He never loses resources. God, that you would trust us more. Father, I pray right now for those who have been through such financial brokenness, Lord, that their bruises and cuts in their inner man, I ask you to heal them. I ask you to give them encouragement and blessing and counsel. And I pray, O oh God, that you would give witness to them that whatever the devourer did can be mightily undone by the Lord of heaven. Take them to a new level of blessing. I ask you to give them, Father, opportunities 
in their business like they've never had before. I ask you to bring them just the right clients. I ask you today, oh God, to put them on the heart of the right clients. Wake them up in the middle of the night if you have to. God, bring in those you've chosen for these, your children, to serve in their business, in their practice. God, grant them just the right people to serve. Restrain those who you have not chosen for them to serve. Open up doors of opportunity. Put your hand of blessing on their investments. I pray, God, you'd give them wisdom and discernment about what to do with your resources, when to do it, and with whom to do it. Almighty God, for all of those you've assigned me to minister to, I ask you for an outpouring. Hallelujah. I ask you for an outpouring of financial blessing and increase. I ask you, oh God, for all of us, individually and corporately, that you will bless us with everything you can entrust us with and increase our ability to handle more. God, for sufficiency and abundance, for every good deed, we pray in line with your holy word that you will grant it, O oh God. I believe financial breakthroughs are coming to the partnership of this ministry. Hallelujah. I believe that long-awaited harvests are coming to this flock. I believe that the desire of God is going to be expressed in what the Lord is going to do. Now, church, just focus on what He wants to do and on your responsibility. You say, well, pastor, this and this and this and this and this happened, and I don't understand it. Can I tell you something? You're still there. You didn't spend the night down at the mission. God has not forgotten his agenda for you. He is going to bless you. He is going to bless you. Oh, God, give us the grace to walk in partnership to carry out our responsibility of recognition that it's yours. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. As we go along, we'll answer some practical questions about these matters of investment in the kingdom, what it looks like, the principles of seed, Opportunities that the Lord gives His children. Thank you for being mature enough to want to hear the pure Word of God, even if it makes you a little uncomfortable. You know what? Most of us don't ever take action until we get uncomfortable with where we are. And if you're already there, that ought to give you fuel to keep going. Amen. Go with God. He's going with you. We'll see you next week. You can access more of Steve Franklin's teachings online at www.sfmin.com.